0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this two-part episode of Afronomics. I'm your host, Albert Zufak, and I'm the Chief Economist for Africa at the World Bank. In part two of the podcast, I'm joined by Zainab Usman, a social scientist in the office of the Chief Economist for Africa at the World Bank and one of the lead authors of our recent report on the future of work in Africa. Welcome, Zainab. Thank you, Albert. Pleasure to have you on Afronomics. Now, this report on the future of work, Zainab, highlights the need for governments to invest in social protection. Can you tell us a little bit more? Why is this so important to have social protection, especially in this world where disruption is almost the new normal?
1: So that's a very good question. First of all, let's define what social protection means. Uh, Social protection refers to instruments, policies and systems that mitigate risks and volatility Mm -hmm. and help to prevent people from falling deeper into poverty and destitution. They provide, you know, opportunities, increase resilience and enhance equity. So within the changing world of work, social protection becomes even more important and particularly in the African context where, as we're aware, um, poverty and vulnerability is increasingly and unfortunately becoming an African phenomenon. So within a changing world of work specifically, we find that, you know, there'll be more risks facing those who are already poor and vulnerable, Mm -hmm. but also just people in the labor market more generally. Um, You know, the report, the future of work in Africa is on digital technologies. But as you know, my colleague explained uh, a bit earlier, Uh, These new technologies will not necessarily have the displacement effect in Mm. manufacturing that we're going to see in other regions in the world. Which is good news. Which is good news, but it means that we have a whole 90% of the labor market that is not in manufacturing Mm. that is still going to be affected by other risks. These include risks from um, climate change,
0: And we've we've been seeing those on the east coast of Africa.
1: Absolutely. You know, with floods, Mm -hmm. but also the fact that uh, most uh, agrarian economies in Africa depend on rain-fed agriculture. So that creates risks for farmers. We also see increasing uh, economic integration, regional economic integration, but also global economic integration. We're all aware of the Africa continental free trade area that just came into being. So we're going to see transition of workers across sectors, across industries, and across borders. And That's that will right. come with with its own risks that need to be managed. You know, lastly, we also have disruptions to labor markets from demographic change. We're aware that Africa is the youngest continent, and the population is set to increase exponentially over the next few decades. Right. So because of this you know, governments would need to provide social protection to mitigate all of these risks. And one other thing to add is, um, compared to other regions of the world, yeah. uh, the social protection coverage, the baseline is very, very low in Africa. So, less than 20% of the population is covered by any social protection instrument. Whether uh, you're it may be even lower
0: than that, actually. Yeah. So, what, yeah.
1: Whether you're talking about pensions or yeah. safety nets or cash transfers, only or even less is covered by any social protection instrument.
0: That's actually a very, very important point, Zainab, because uh, all over the world, most social protection comes from work, comes from formal work. And because informality is so rampant in Africa and the number of people working in formal labor market is just so small, you know, there's almost non-existent social protection especially from work so government needs to step up now what kind of social protection are we talking about Zainab is this just giving hands out to people what is it
1: it's a whole range of things Um, in the report you know we provide an extensive definition and we profile a number of Instruments and policies and systems so it really depends on the context in question and really we don't necessarily focus on the specific type of uh, social protection instrument as it would vary by the context of the country so it could be a whole range of things you know but particularly for the informal sector I think that is uh, that is a huge an important area that many African countries need to consider and need to think about in providing coverage to people in that sector.
0: When we we say social protection, what exactly do we mean? Is this uh, just distributing hands out to people? You mentioned pension. Any other way to provide social protection?
1: That's a good question. And it's important to clarify what social protection means. Um, so there are probably three broad categories of social protection instruments and programs. We have the non-contributory schemes, which are broadly referred to as social assistance, and that refers to um, the cash transfers. Cash transfer, transfers, for example, ca- cash conditional
0: transfers. and unconditional.
1: Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. So mm-hmm. those do not depend on the recipient providing any contribution. That's, That's why right. it's non-contributory. That's right. Uh, And it's meant to target the most vulnerable Vulnerable. and the poorest populations. (laughs) Uh, The second category is the contributory schemes, and this is where social insurance falls in. Mm -hmm. So the traditional pensions, for example, uh, you know, anything, you know, linked to work and formal work where the worker has to contribute is, you know, the the, the contributory scheme. And, you know, the third is uh, we have... uh, Uh, active labor market programs. These are active labor market programs, which include, you know, training programs, employment assistance that help people to find jobs, and we have passive labor market programs. For example, you know, you know, benefits that are given or uh, re- regarding retirement and things like that. Then there's another category that maybe could be a fourth category, mm-hmm. which uh, is the informal private transfers. Perfect. So remittances, remittances fall, into, fall into that category. And increasingly right. in many African countries, you find that uh, uh, remittances from the diaspora are increasingly becoming very significant financial flows within those countries. In some
0: countries, remittances are actually higher than uh, overseas development assistance.
1: Absolutely. So countries like Nigeria, Ghana, Senegal, Comoros that have a large diaspora, uh, remittances are increasingly very important.
0: You mentioned the need for governments to invest in social protection. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, governments in Africa are facing extremely hard budget constraints.
1: How would they afford this? Yes, another pertinent question. Um, Governments indeed have a lot of constraints, fiscal constraints. They have other priorities to think about, particularly infrastructure. We know the infrastructure financing gap Mm -hmm. in Africa is something along the lines of $100 billion a year or even more. Uh, also, just expanding social protection coverage within a context where over 80% of the population is not covered is going to be very daunting. Right. Um, right. So for that reason, you know, it's, 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 it's a huge challenge. Yeah. But there are solutions. And there are three that I'll mention, okay. or three categories. Okay. So first, first of all, uh, thinking about increasing the efficiency of current social policy expenditure. That's correct. Secondly, uh, thinking about increasing domestic resource and revenue mobilization. So right. getting more resources. Then thirdly, thinking about how to balance competing priorities.
0: These are three important avenues. First is increasing efficiency of current spending. Yes. And this is true for social protection programs, but it's true for all expenditure in Africa we need to increase efficiency of spending. Yes. It's actually one way to raise revenues. Yes. The second is yes, you know, expanding or boosting domestic revenue mobilization which is clearly about not only expanding the tax base but also, you know, uh, looking very very carefully at uh, fiscal exemptions or uh, tackling uh, fiscal avoidance, of course, and, and, and the third?
1: Yes, so managing, you know, competing priorities. So you, you often find that in some countries because uh, social protection, particularly social assistance, targets the poorest, and we know that the poor usually don't have a very strong voice. Mm-hmm. Sometimes there's opposition from other interest groups that right. feel that they also want some kind of support from the government. Right. So one way to think about managing that would be to ensure that social protection programs are not standalone initiatives, right. but they're part of broader economic strategies.
0: That's, that's extremely pertinent.
1: So another approach would be to think about, you know, in terms of providing regional public goods. So already there are examples of, you know, social protection programs that cut across different countries. There's one in the Sahel, for example, that is you know, being run or supported by the World Bank. And there are such initiatives like that. Uh, so those would be ways of managing those uh, competing policy priorities.
0: Great. Is there any role the private sector could play in this agenda?
1: Yes, there is. You know, when we think about the private sector, usually what comes to mind is to try to get many private companies to pay the tax that they're supposed to pay and there are various initiatives on that front and I think we should continue with that. Also a second approach would be, again this is not necessarily new, to think about how the private sector can support labor market programs, so you know, skilling, reskilling, upskilling. Uh, employment assistance, training, and things like that. So again, to continue with that and to find ways of making that more effective. But I think there are interesting innovations also in terms of thinking about how to work with the private sector. So you have uh, increasingly a number of large firms, large corporations, multinationals setting up training hubs, uh, targeting particularly young people, Entrepreneurs, the innovators that we discuss in the report, uh, the you know firms like Microsoft, Alibaba, a whole host of others are setting up such training hubs and initiatives across the continent. Um, but also, you know, lastly, I would say that this is just an area where. Uh, there's so much more to be done. There's room for a lot of creativity in terms of thinking how else we can engage the private sector. Should we think about new CSR initiatives? Should we think about... What do you
0: mean by CSR? Can you spell it out for our listeners?
1: Absolutely. Um, So CSR refers to corporate social responsibility. Usually what uh, private firms do to support immediate communities that they work with so that they have legitimacy, but so that you know, there's just greater harmony in, in the work that they do. Right. So thinking about new approaches to corporate social responsibility, can private companies uh, contribute to trust funds and work with governments in terms of training, reskilling or other support to communities? I think that's an area that should be explored by researchers but also by policymakers and the private sector themselves.
0: What I've just heard is fascinating, uh, and clearly social protection will be key to making the future of work in Africa a better work for everyone. And and clearly um, expanding coverage of social protection and labor system, especially for workers, and, and, and this including in the informal sector, could spur greater entrepreneurship, and really favor risk-taking, encourage more risk-taking, and facilitate transitions of workers between different jobs. So in a world where disruption has become the norm, government needs to think hard but also work with the private sector to start implementing or to Accelerate implementation of social protection programs. This is one of the messages of the Future of Work in Africa report. Zainab, thank you so much for coming to Afronomics.
1: Thanks for having me here.
0: A reminder to our listeners that you can find all our recent publications at worldbank.org.afrce. And for more, You can follow me on Twitter at Albert Zufak to share your views, questions, and ideas. And if you missed part one of our two-part podcast on the future of work in Africa, where we discuss the potential of digital technologies, make sure you check it out. Until next time, thank you very much for listening.